Hello and welcome to the High View Podcast, a gospel-centered conversation exploring theology, culture, and life in the local church. I'm your host, Tyler Sweat, pastor, uh, well, associate pastor here at High View Church. Went back to the old intro there for a second. <laughs> Glad to be here today with uh, three incredible guests. We've got everybody on the podcast today. It's Full house. Chad Williams, Josh Hildebrandt, and the returning guest, Mallory Parker. Ooh. That's right. How's it going, guys? We had to get Mallory back. We were... The, the natives were restless. They were like, this, we want more Mallory. <laughs> the reviews were incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it was uh, At least half of our viewers <laughs> commented that so they wanted her back. Three of them. Half this, of tens is about six, about five or six. Yeah. I'm here for it. Like, this loved. podcast has a fever. The only, <laughs> only prescription, prescription. The only prescription. Is more Mallory. More Mallory. <clears throat> That's it. Well, cool. Glad to be, uh, glad to have uh, Josh back with us. Hey. Uh, yeah. He's, yeah. Uh, he's here. I was an island boy yeah. for a while. <laughs> yep, Josh was. Uh, <laughs> oh gosh, that's, that I, that I know that reference that is, you do is incredible, yeah, and I'm leaving it in. I'm the, leaving it in. Fine. Oh my gosh, We're waiting for my, the song. My little girl yeah. runs around the house singing, "I'm an island girl." Oh she, goodness, you know she doesn't know. She yeah, but. Chad, do you know what it means to be an island boy? I have no clue what you guys are talking about right now. That's yeah. good. Count your blessings. That's uh, why he's the lead <clears> pastor, <throat> by the way. That's right. Yeah. I'm not yeah. Um, well, cool. We're glad you're back. We're glad you're back in uh, on this in this neck of the woods, yep. and uh, we're excited to jump into another conversation here on the podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking through uh, the next chapter of Rediscover Church, which is how do I love members who are different? How do I love members who are different? And essentially, every time we start one of these new chapters, we want to reread the. Um, the definition that these authors give for what Absolutely. a church is—it's um, a really pretty robust definition. And each time we we do, we uh, kind of highlight, emphasize a new section of this definition. So let me read this for us, and uh, we'll get started on this. Really, I think going to be a really helpful conversation. So from this book, uh, the definition of a church is this: a church is a group of Christians who assemble as an earthly embassy of Christ's heavenly kingdom to proclaim the good news and commands of Christ the King to affirm one another as his citizens through the ordinances and to display God's own holiness and love through a unified and diverse people in all the world following the teaching and example of elders. So today we're going to be kind of zeroing in on this phrase uh, that the church ultimately exists through a unified and diverse people. Um, so pretty interesting. We've been talking about different elements of what makes a church healthy, what a church does. Um, and we've talked about membership and discipline in the last couple of weeks. So the idea of what the church body, how the church body is formed, uh, the local church body. And uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about um, what it looks like to be loving toward one another, even though the church is made up of some pretty unique and different people. Um, so I want to throw out to you guys just your take on your experience in the local church, being a part of churches growing up. Um, what's been your your take on kind of the diversity among the church and how how that comes about? Well, I think it has to be intentionally sought. Um, yeah. And and the truth of the matter is, and I think this is a big part of the problem, uh, and it's, it's, it's mentioned in the book where um, they talk about how churches tend to group people together who are in the exact same period of life. Yeah. Age group, ministry. age group. Yeah. Yeah. Age-based ministry, um, have the same interest. Yeah. So interest and, in, and in kind of where you're at in life is, is what groups everyone together. And so you wind up with, surrounded by people who look like you talk like you are experiencing the same things you're experiencing. 
And I think the more that you can break out of that, that, that mold that the church tends to be structured as to try to push you into, um, I think the better. I mean, obviously, I think it's important to be with like-minded people who are going through similar things that you're going through in life. I think that has its, its benefits yeah. for sure. Yeah. But it doesn't really force you to sacrificially love and look over a fence. Yeah. And, right. and, uh, and also, it robs you of an opportunity to learn yeah. too. Mm-hmm. From, from people who are just in different periods of like seasons of life and or have experienced different things and so on and so forth. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, diversity, if you just look uh, around at God's creation, is some something that you see everywhere. Um, but there's, you know, uh, in the church, sadly, and it's not just in the church, you know, it's in our communities as well. But but sadly, we see it in the church as well, where people kind of uh, birds of a feather, if you will, and they flock yeah. together. So whether that's race or culturally or, you know, um, just uh, uh e- even where we're at on the economic scale sometimes, right, you know. Right. Um, but the, I think the thing that's, that's so beautiful about the church um, when, it's, when it is diverse is you have a group of people that are at different stages in their sanctification process, mm-hmm. different stages in life, struggling with different sins. You know, because y- you may even have a person that has grown in the Lord, um, you know, the same amount as you, but their growth in the Lord and their their path is different than yours. So they're more mature in this area of their mm-hmm. Christianity. You're more mature in this area of your Christianity. Mm-hmm. You're different. Your stories are different. And so you have something to offer one another. You know, it's kind of like we don't like people that sin different than us. Hmm. You know, yeah. we, we like people that sin similar to us. We're more willing to tolerate their yeah. sin because it's familiar and it's like our sin and we overlook it and it's yeah. our culture and, you know, our kind of kingdom that we have. But when you start to break that down, you start to see, hey, this group of people over here, they have a, a better grasp of, uh, you know, maybe grace or maybe kindness or maybe, mm-hmm. you know, just different things like that, which I think stretches us and is important. Yeah, definitely. Um, one of the interesting things, so the, the author kind of begins the chapter by talking about what would you do if you wanted to build an organization? Like if you wanted to build the church numerically, you'd probably lean into uh, some of the things that you know, would build a shared audience, right? So like you would think about the music or the different Mm -hmm. cultural elements and and maybe, you know, just like a business probably would uh, lean into building their offering or whatever it is they're providing service-wise to to appeal to a certain audience. Then you just try to draw that audience, Um, which kind of goes back to what you were saying, Pastor Josh, this idea of birds of a feather kind of fly. Like that's the natural way that, you know, if you want to build an audience, you just speak to the needs or the, the particular desires of that audience. But the problem is we're trying to build something that's not natural. That's right. right. We, we were a part of something that's supernatural. And really, mm-hmm. um, if we look around our churches and we see people that only look like us or only, um, you have the same, whether it's ethnicity or socioeconomic level, um, if it's kind of just uniform among those things, then perhaps we've been building something natural, a natural group of people um, but it's not, that's not what the gospel does. It builds a supernatural mix of all kinds of people, right? I remember when I started the planting process at Highview and was doing a lot of different training and, and, and a lot of different assessments and those kind of things. I remember specifically being told to have a target audience. Mm. Like that, that is, right. that, that is the, str- and, well, it's and, a wonderful business plan. Yeah, I mean, mm. from that perspective, it makes a lot of sense. Like, have a yeah. target audience and then make sure that the ministries of the church are built around 
catering to that target audience. I mean, that, yeah. and, and, and of course that was like a, um, I, that was 10, 11 years ago, 10 years ago. Um, and there was a lot of influence still at that time from uh, a lot of like the purpose driven church stuff, that concept of planting back in the nineties and eighties and nineties sure. um, of, of making sure you're like going after certain people and then, you know, have a program that keeps them and attracts them and, and yeah. just, yeah. And, and just have an idea of what you want to do. And I think, I think Saddleback back then they had Saddleback Sam was the concept. Yeah. You ever oh, yeah. have you heard about this? That, yeah. It's a hilarious, like the, the Google it. Like I a, don't know about Saddleback Sam. Yeah. It's like a, a, a profile person that they were like, <laughs> oh, if, if our, so good. we're trying to reach this particular type of person. So everything we do is, is okay. pointed at attracting, which is a known quote, business like strategy, yeah. you know, right. and it does work. And if you do right. it as a church, you will right. reach those type of people, but then you'll end up with a church that, yeah. that is not described in the Bible. Uh, I'll put it this way. Sa- Saddleback Sam has a beeper. <laughs> like that's all you need to there know. You go. Like it's all you need wow, to know. I can't believe I've never seen that yeah, before. So Saddleback Sam, this was the target audience. Um, they actually use that. Yeah. Yeah. They taught for years. They taught this. Um, He's well educated. He likes his job. He's got a Zach Morris cell phone. That if, can't be real. I'm I'm jo- really struggling Josh, to believe that that's comp- real. <laughs> it's Tyler, like, that's, back me up. I'm, that's real. That's real. I, it's I'm a not real easily thing. offended. I'm almost offended by that. <laughs> he prefers the casual and informal over the formal. He's self satisfied, even smug. How did they justify that? That's the about, type of person that we're. Well, that's a different podcast. That's a, yeah. Yes. Sorry. But I mean, it's it's ultimately the mindset. Like we would, if we want to think in that worldly sense or that natural way, we would almost say, okay, we want to make sure our church, which totally sounds not not to necessarily judge those brothers and sisters over there sure. back then, but uh, yeah. it's it sounds sinful almost. Like yeah. we're we're only going to to market you know to this particular I mean, type I, of person. I guess but. the mindset is, look, guys. We can't reach everyone, but we want to be effective with who we can reach. But some of the, the right. problems when you try to yeah. make everything make sense is mm. you end up doing something like that. You get you no, got saddleback right. Sammy, right. Right. but you no, know we, <laughs> we, uh, we, we didn't have uh, like high like high view Harvey. Like yeah. we didn't have that. Well, you know when you have a family, the Lord, like you you can't <laughs> you can't create a family yeah. Yeah. and be that particular. You don't know the gender. You don't know the personality. You get what you get, and then you make the family work. And then right. the family's more beautiful because of it. And it's, I think it's the same way with the church. Like you keep, It's yeah. a family, yeah. you know, and you make it work. And in the making it work is where God does a lot of the, of the work. So true. Right. One of the biblical examples that the author uses is uh, the 12 disciples. So, you know, they say kind of from the outside looking in, they probably all looked very similar. Like they're all Jewish men. Uh, but you get kind of into the inner workings. Like they share the story of um, the Pharisees asking Jesus why he's spending time with tax collectors. Well, it's because he had called Matthew to, to come be a part of their, their squad, essentially. Mm-hmm. But like this group of 12 men was made up of uh, Jewish fishermen and tax collectors and zealots and all these groups of people that in that culture would not have naturally gotten along. Uh, there was very... Yeah, like, in the chapter he mentions uh, like an awkward campfire conversation yeah. between Simon the zealot and Matthew the tax collector. Yeah, like if it's just them sitting there and like, yeah, right. Just yeah, oh yeah. Imagine <laughs> that, like those so uh, relational dynamics. What you been up like, to, Matthew? Doing things that I hate that you do. <laughs> Spending every waking moment thinking about bringing you down and all that are like you. 
Yeah. Jeez. But yeah, so that's the, so the story. This, I mean, but it really is interesting because the, the story, the Pharisees come to, you know, come to the disciples and say, why is your teacher, uh, why does he eat with the tax collectors and with sinners? And they ask, uh, says they asked Jesus' disciples and Jesus overheard their question and answered, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. So one of the, one of the key kind of sections in here is that the the church is for sinners, right? The church is for messed up people all across the board, every phase of life, um, every every lot of life, uh, every color of skin. Um, all of us have one thing in common, is that we are sinners in need of grace, mm-hmm. right? Um, I like this this next kind of paragraph. Uh, it's on page 104. If you get your free copy of, of this book uh, by visiting Hivey Church and asking us for one, we still have uh, plenty to give out. Uh, but this is what the author says. Many today, both inside and outside of the church, share the Pharisees' confusion. Isn't the church for people with the right politics? Isn't the church for people who have their act together? Isn't church for people who look, think, and talk like I do? To visitors who are unfamiliar with church, everyone else can look so happy, so successful, so put together, and sometimes that's exactly the impression that the church wants to leave. But this is not what Jesus intended. Only the sick go to the doctor, and only sinners go to the church. Uh, the Pharisees thought that they were righteous apart from Jesus, that they didn't need him, and yet Matthew and the other sinners knew that they needed Jesus. Um, so it's this picture, and, and you guys feel free to jump in on that. Like, Where have you guys seen, um, maybe even at, at Highview, us try to, to, to not you know, to not have that identity or to not portray this idea that everyone has to look the same, think the same, like what I know that I've, yeah, I've seen that as a reality at, at Highview that we are pretty diverse and, and a pretty dynamic congregation. Has there been things that, that specifically we've aimed at or tried to do that have built that type of community? Yeah. I mean, I think the main thing is the center of what we do is the gospel. The God, and we say this a lot at Highview, the gospel is what unifies us. It's, it's not yeah. our political views. It's, yeah. it's not even our, it's not even our theological views necessarily, although you, that's uh, in some ways it mm-hmm. is. But we have we have people that believe different things in certain areas of theology. But the thing that grounds us and unifies us is that we're all sinners um, at the foot of the cross needing grace. Yeah, and um, and that's a very diverse group of people. You look at the right. picture in Revelations, you know, of what's painted around the throne of God. And but I think a church that that misses that if if that's not the anchoring point from which everything else is united around the pool that you're pulling from starts to get smaller. And so the, the, the picture that's painted starts to become more, um, you know, it, it looks, it looks similar because um, people are coming from the same group of life or this, they have this in common, but if you have the gospel, if that's what's in common, then we, then we all are in need of, of grace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mallory, what's been your experience as like a member of, of Highview kind of coming in? Like, have you, uh, seen, you know, I guess elements of, of Highview specifically kind of encouraging diversity or, or kind of ex- even celebrating those type of things? What, what are some things you've seen just as a, as a member of Highview? Yeah, I really love this conversation because a little bit of my background, um, I came from like an inner city ministry background. So I was taught the only way to think about diversity would be um, ethnicity or race. Um, and so when I first came to Highview, I was like, hmm. Okay. A lot of white people. (laughs) Um, Where are people of color at? And that was kind of my first, like, is this a diverse church? Um, But with that being said, like in this conversation, there are so many people who I walk really closely with even um, who are very different from me. And we have complete opposing political beliefs. Um, 
but yet we love each other well and we confess sin to each other and we pray for each other. Um, and it makes me think of what Chad said one time of like, I'm going to misquote you. So please quote yourself, but like we should have (laughs) more in common with like a fellow like church member standing next to us. than maybe we even have with a person outside of our church who thinks and feels exactly like we do. Mm, Um, but we have that commonality of believing the gospel. Um, even some family members and friends, you know, we can, we can have more in common with a church member who believes in Jesus than them. Yeah. I I think that what we try to do, and it's very difficult to to do this, but we try to do is fight tribalism. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we are just prone to wanting to be in these silos where we get all of our news, we get all of our information Everyone believes what we believe in those silos. Therefore, only reaffirming our biases as they are. Mm-hmm. Right, an echo yeah. chamber. Yeah. Every, everything yeah. is just reaffirmed. <clears throat> and so we we then start to really, really despise those outside of those echo chambers. Yeah. And can't tolerate being around them, can't tolerate being in their presence if they're not in those echo chambers. And so... Um, I think the church gives us an opportunity to 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 force ourselves out of those, to then all hear the same gospel, mm-hmm. and I think that's what you were getting at a minute ago, Josh, where you're talking about. Um, I think that there is a ton of theological unity, but I think in terms of secondary doctrines and um, you know some of the other like there's a lot of diversity. Um, at high view, but when it comes to the core tenets of the gospel, things like the five solas or justification, you know, thinking about mm-hmm. justification by faith alone, right, right. like those kinds of doctrines, man, we've totally like, that's, that's why you're here. Right. And so, um, when you have true unity and important things, you can have diversity in secondary things. Right. Yeah, that's good. I, I yeah. think a really important topic too, is it, it, we don't want to paint a picture like, Look, everybody. Everybody's truth is their truth, and mm. like we're just oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's good. not it yeah. at all. Yeah. You know, like um, there are things that that I would firmly disagree with somebody on. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and could even break faith with. Like in um, times. <laughs> yeah, right, I mean, well, right. you know, you've got. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, Sorry, it's on my mind. <laughs> no, we're, just, so. we're going oh, through Daniel. It's and, Daniel series. Yeah. Secondary times. issue. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was even saying a couple of weeks ago, um, yeah. I know you've I know you've heard this sermon and watched it, but mm-hmm. um, but I, it we, was a, <laughs> it was the best sermon I ever heard you preach. <laughs> so, so um, we were I was I was saying that there's yep. there's an enormous. Let um, me finish what you were saying because okay, I know fine, exactly go, what it was. Go for it. There's an enormous amount of, of truth of truth. You you finish the rest. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So there is, um, it's not that secondary things that could create disunity mm-hmm. don't matter. Yeah. Right? They do matter because yep. they're in scripture. That's the right. Truth, God's revealed them. And so they do matter. You know what I mean? Like sure. they, they, they do matter. Um, but they're not fundamental to the core tenets of the gospel. Like they're, they're you know, there's, there's right. got to be a distinction. It's not, but it's not to say to your point, it's not to say they don't matter. Right. Sure. All truth matters. Right. 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 Yeah, and I think that's that's what we have this um by by focusing on what is central, what does unify. Mm-hmm. Like what one of the things I think too like we don't have to necessarily make diversity central to 
encourage diversity that's right. among our among our body and that when we say diversity too i think everybody probably hears one or two things you know when we talk about diversity but we're talking about theological diversity um you know and all across the, the spectrum of of where people can come from from life but um but I think by by making the gospel central and by holding those things firmly, um, the Lord will draw His people uh, to that message, and so we don't have to become like uh, like Michael Scott uh, in in the office trying to emphasize or you know make a joke out of, of diversity. That a diversity, you know I mean? day, diversity, uh, day, yeah. Well, um, reference, but you get yeah. what I'm saying. Like we we don't yeah. have to make diversity the point. We yeah. make the gospel be, the point. I'll be honest. Like yeah. coming from that background, I was taught. To first, when you're looking for a church, look for a diverse church. Mm. Like that is like well, the I, forefront of. I think like mm. sometimes because mm. if you see a diverse church, not always, but a lot of times it means yeah. there's something there that's healthy. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and and I think one of the things about you know loving people who are different from you in a church and how do you go about doing that? I th- I think it's it's so important in a church because you know God gifts and um, you know gives people talents that are completely different one person to another and what really matters to one person doesn't matter to another person and working in ministry for a long time. One of the things I've seen is that when you get a person really passionate about a ministry and then there's another person passionate about another ministry, a lot of times you have a perfect example for there to be disunity Mm -hmm. and arguments and they're both passionate about true good things that matter at the church. Yeah. But there's, but the other person doesn't have the maturity or the grace or whatever else to see across the fence to the other side mm. about a thing that they're not gifted at that doesn't matter to them, yeah. but to see the value in it. So, so what would you say is the biggest hindrance to loving someone not like you? Like that's what the chapter, the chapter yeah. is about like, how do we love people who are different from us different, yeah. um, within the local church? Like what's the biggest hindrance mm. to do mm. that? That's a good question. Um, I think one of the things that popped into my mind was pride mm-hmm. but because you, you see things from your perspective. Yeah. Um, you think and, your truth is right. Truth. And what matters to you, you is, right. is kind of the sum of all things. And you, right. you know, like this much, the tiniest bit of yeah. what really matters. And, mm-hmm. and God in his wisdom has this person passionate about this and this person passionate about this. And right. so humbling yourself, um, you know, um, Loving others well, seeing the value in what they do, being intentional about that. Um, What do you guys think? I was going to say, I think it takes a a good amount of self-evaluation to realize what things you've elevated to a primary matter Mm -hmm. over over secondary. You know, trying to realize... Um, where where have I made something that is that is not primary? Something that I'm anchoring a lot of my identity on, which I think it, it comes from that that pride element. But I, I know even for myself, uh, there's been times where I've had to to check myself, you know, about how I'm thinking about someone else's position or, right. or their theological views or their political views, and have really had to humble myself in that way to say, you know, is this a gospel issue? If it is, then even in that context. There should be space for love and grace and, and conversation about it, not an automatic you know, breaking or, or a, a mm-hmm. gossiping about that. Per, you know, there sure. needs to be a, yeah. a, a way that you even interact within the disagreement. Right. So, for instance, you got a person in your church who's just really into inner city ministry. Like the thing on their heart is the people yeah. who are trapped in that environment. And they want to you know, go into the city, minister to them, practical help. And then you got another person in your church who is just all about theology. They want to teach. They want to equip people. Both of those are great things. Mm-hmm. But those two people interacting could have a problem if if there's not unity and they don't value the other person. 
So, I, yeah. I, you know, I think there's just a lot of, of seeing how God uniquely gives people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, in a family dynamic, that helps. Like when I see how different, you know, my kids are, but they make, uh, they make our, you know, our family what it is yeah. Um, yeah. with how different they are. I have a therapist word of the day. Let's well, go phrase. Go for it. Um, we like to say people make sense in the context of their story. Mm. So like, mm. I think if there is someone who you don't naturally maybe agree with or get along with, like, um, or just who are different from you, mm-hmm. um, I think first is like actually getting to know them, yeah. like not being standoffish and judgmental. Um, and then getting to know their story a little bit mm, of like, so good. okay, yeah. this is like what they grew up with. This is what their parents are like. This is what, you know, life circumstances were like. No wonder they think right. and feel like this. Yeah, I, th- I think another thing too is just jumping on what Mallory said there, because that was really smart and wise, um, is, is getting to uh, the place where you can interact with the thing they love and understand mm. why they love it. Yeah. That doesn't mean you'll be passionate about it for the rest of your life. But maybe yeah. if you're the guy that loves inner city, go take a theology class. Maybe you're the guy that loves theology, go into the inner city. Mm. And, and, you know, and you'll see the value and the good that, that God has in both of those ministries. Yeah. One of, one of the things I was going to mention, one of the biggest diversity things that I've heard even come up in, in church context, but also even in, in my own marriage is the, the like extrovert introvert dynamic. Um, mm-hmm. So even working through that type of difference, you know, with, with myself and my wife, I'm very extroverted. Oh, really? Really? I don't know if you knew this. I am I am the more extroverted of man of that uh, of of our marriage coupling. Um, she's the more introverted, and so there's been ways where I've had to learn to prefer her introvertedness mm-hmm. as a, in an effort to love her well. Sure. Um, so things that we don't go and do, you know, think the, of all the t- things she's had to do to love you well. Oh my goodness. Right. Exactly. Oh God. Mm-hmm. Good gracious, Lord help her. You know, I mean, she's had to suffer so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but then, so we, we've, we've had those conversations of like, what does it look like to prefer the other person and, sure. and lay down my, our particular preferences, our rights, so that the other person can be felt loved and, and served and, and where they are particularly. I know that's been one, one particular area that I've um, just seen kind of different relational or different uh, personality dynamics at play. But it can actually be a, a place where you have to actually lay down your own desires, your own mm-hmm. um, preconceived, like, well, we should just always go hang out with people because mm-hmm. that's what I love to do. Well, for you, that might actually be terrible and like you're, you're gonna you know hate you know, me and hate them and want to yeah. you know but um anyway i don't know if that's that was just i don't even think of personality pers- yeah diversity. personality diversity yeah yeah oh man that's true i, I think that person. one thing that that encouraged um a healthy diversity um in a church is people who understand what they believe and why they believe it yeah i feel like people who are insecure in their beliefs ironically mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. they're usually new to these beliefs and when they're new to these beliefs, they're extremely combative, cage stage, if you will, mm. where they are extremely adamant that you also believe these things. Sure. And, and I'm convinced that that's also, that's, that's them trying to get their footing on kind of why they believe this new thing. And, it, and what's ironic about it is they've changed a position more than likely that they didn't have. And now they do. And now everyone who doesn't believe it's an idiot. And so I think just having a posture of, of humility and learn and, and a, and a willingness to learn yeah. um, and, and learn why you believe what you believe. And then here's what happens is you get more and more confident in that. 
you're not terrified to interact with people who don't agree with you. Mm. And so therefore you're not as combative. And then you can start picking up on and learning from different traditions. I mean, like, you know, I have, I'm, I'm a Baptist, but I have friends that are Presbyterian and the, the more confident I am in my understanding of baptism, the more I'm willing to interact with them on their understanding of baptism. Yep. Mm-hmm. You and also have friends who are charismatic. That's, that's true. Um, <clears throat> just throwing that out there. That's true. Um, they have lots to, to help you with as well. I've, I have friends that disagree with me on end times. Right. For example. Those are the charismatic ones. And uh, <laughs> so there's... Yeah. Well, well, what we're saying is there's even diversity at this table. At this table. <laughs> right? Cue the train going off the <laughs> No, but um, I think I think it's uh it's making the, the same the same point is that even even among us there's even diverse, in a church plant. Even in a even plant, in a church. A church. Are we still a church plant? No. Are we still a church plant? I don't, I don't know. That, that you planted a church with someone. My right. my friend Aaron Minikoff, um, he says we, we quit being a church plant after like the first year. He refused to call us a church plant. What makes a church Shout plant? Shout out. Cool. Podcast for another. Growing up. Growing up. Um, I do want to make mention of a, of a verse of scripture that the author points out, which I think is incredibly helpful. Um, it kind of gets us back to what we were, we were talking about, keeping main things the main thing. Um, this is from Ephesians 4, uh, 1 through 6, which says that we are to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, uh, to which uh, you've been called with all humility in gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. Um, so I think that really kind of sums up you know, exactly all of what we were, we were saying. We could have just read that verse and wrapped it up. And then been done. But... Uh, how do you guys think practically, um, and you speak, you know, of course, on behalf of um, Ivy Church specifically, but speak to just church in general, churches in general, church leadership, uh, maybe even church members. Um, what are some things we can do to practically live out that verse? Of course, it's telling us that this is walking in a manner worthy of our calling. So there are practical things that we are to do because of what we believe about the gospel, what we've been redeemed into, not just redeemed from, but what this body we've been brought into, this new kingdom. Um, there are ways we're supposed to practice humility and gentleness. What are, what are some like practical things, uh, ways that you think churches can walk toward a more um, diverse fellowship and a, and a loving diverse fellowship? Hmm. That's a great question. Who wants to, who wants to jump in first? Maybe me. Um, I guess so, since I'm talking, let's do that. I was going to say you already jumped in. <laughs> Um, that's a great question. I I think a church, um, first, what you believe as important, you can't fake. Like what really matters to you, people Mm -hmm. pick up on. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, so I think there's, there's ways that you can show, um, that you desire for there to be a diversity in your, your congregation. And so if you're a church that, um, uh, that's that's preaching on things that that matter, like the gospel, um, and that there's grace in in other you know aspects of of church life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to draw a diverse crowd. If if the message from the pulpit is this kind of message of we have the one truth, like um, you know, and everything we say is uh, kind of our way or the highway, 
Well, you're going to reach some people for sure. You're going to find some people that absolutely love your church yeah. and they're like, come to our church. And then you're going to, then you're going to have a whole group of people that are, you know, we don't want anything to do with this. Right. So I, th- I think you can't hide what really matters to you. So the first thing I would say is talk to the leadership and see if diversity matters to the leadership. Like, uh, is this something that matters to them? And, um, and, and if it does to them, I think it works itself out in the life of the church. Yeah. I think that diversity is not the end goal. Yeah. The end goal is unity and diversity in the right. gospel, right. right? Like unity in the gospel, creating diversity in the local church. Like that's, that's the goal, but it's not just diversity for diversity's sake. Um, there are lots of, uh, clubs that are pretty diverse, like much more diverse than the average local mm-hmm. church in a lot of ways, but they're not unified by the gospel of Jesus. Like that's not what's keeping them together. Um, so I would say to, to what you just shared there, Josh, I would say the, the main thing, keeping the main thing, the main thing and being united in the main thing. And in some ways that is the, the point of like, it's the gospel or it's nothing. It's the, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it is that. But then being much more charitable with those secondary issues um, and, uh, and keeping that kind of spirit of like pursuing the truth, that Berean mindset right. mm-hmm. of pursuing the scriptures and continuing to, to pursue truth in the scriptures. And uh, I think as you do that, like, I don't, I don't think you should set out to be a diverse church. Mm-hmm. I think you should set out to be a unified church in the gospel that creates a culture and a community where diversity can happen yeah, and, and not a manufactured right. contrived version of it, but an actual authentic, genuine yeah. community um, that, yeah. that I, reflects uh, what we're going to experience in heaven. I think if you set out to be a diverse church, you will be a diverse church, but you'll, you'll believe probably false things um, because in the, pursuit of diversity, truth will be on the, the block. Mm-hmm. But if you set out to be a church united around the gospel, right. I think uh, you still will be a diverse church, but mm-hmm. um, but you'll maintain truth. That's uh, I think that's a good, what you just mentioned, because I know we've even um, had conversations with with uh, students that have talked about the you know, things they're hearing from friends about how inclusive churches or, or versions of progressive Christianity can be. But the issue is not what are we being inclusive of? It's actually being exclusive about the gospel and right. allowing that, what that gospel work does to your point, Pastor Chad, is that it builds that genuine hum, or humble, gentle, patient, loving body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's faux diversity. Yeah. It's not real biblical diversity. That's built around unity in the gospel. They right. speak peace, peace when there is no peace. Exactly. Yeah. That, that, that Jesus came to bear a sword yeah, and he's he and he divides people on the on this issue. If you don't embrace that, you can't get biblical diversity. You have mm. a, a secular diversity, right? But that Jesus is actually incredibly divisive at times, and and actually the essence of his gospel is very divisive. It's yeah. it sets you know uh, mother against child and and creates family conflicts. Like it, yeah. like he says that. Yeah. You know, he says that, and I believe him when he says that. Mm. So. Um, if you take that away, you can create a faux diversity around whatever yeah. you want. Right. But it's not biblical diversity at all because it's not biblical unity. Right. Mm. That's good. Drop. <laughs> Very good. Any other final points? Uh, any, any other uh, input from, uh, from you guys? I don't think so. Glad we had Mallory back. 
Yeah, definitely. I love you guys. Yeah, Mallory, Thanks. you definitely add a lot to the conversation to keep us uh, keep us anchored. You know, sometimes we get <laughs> we get uh, spiraling here, but uh, for sure, so glad that you guys are also joining us by listening to the Hobby Podcast, and we hope that these are helpful conversations. Um, genuinely, I know I've told people this um, in other contexts. Like sometimes, you know, we do uh, prepare and, and come ready. But sometimes these are just our, our genuine, like we're, we're having these conversations and we hope they're valuable to you too. Uh, we hope that you're learning along with us kind of what it looks like to build a healthy church. Cause we're trying to do that together here in West Georgia through Highview church. So if you're in our area, we would love for you to join us and become part of this gospel center community. Um, if you're not near us, we pray that you would find a church that's uh, helpful. That's biblical. That's going to disciple you well. And, um, Perhaps you can even know what to look for as you look at resources like Rediscover Church. Um, So hope that you were helped by today's episode, and we will see you in the next one.